Yeah, there's a lot of motive there, definitely. There is, but at the same time, these other abstainers that happened around within that year have so many similarities that, okay, did he, maybe he paid, maybe it wasn't Mansfield he paid. Maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was the other Moore guy that he paid. You know, maybe he saw somebody get off at the railroad tracks and knew he was just sticking around for a little bit, was going to hop back on the tracks, travel around, do his thing. Maybe he paid one of those guys, and then that guy was like, oh, and then kept doing what he was doing. There's so many possibilities. Yeah, and you know this happened in real life. I. Yeah. So scary. I uh, actually, well, in our, I don't want to say in our family, because it's not our family, but it's links to our family, axe murders. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fucked up, right? Yeah, when you think is. about it, and then it you is. think about the sisters and how fucked up they are now, and it kind of like makes sense. Like you're like, man, they're batshit crazy. Like mm-hmm. worse than me and you. But there's a reason for that. Yeah. And it's it's, it's absolutely crazy because that's way too close to home and like like way from 1912. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I even wanted to research that sometime just to look into. It. I don't know what they have on it. Yeah, I and don't it's know. It's not something I want to go ask her about. No. Means, yeah. Probably not. Fucking crazy. <laughs> is is what that is. Uh, Mansfield, even though he was locked up, he was released in nineteen twelve. Uh on, on murder charges, he uh, but he did have a an alibi. Oh. I didn't know they took alibis way back then. Weird, right? Uh, that's the Reverend um, Jacqueline Kelly. I said he was arrested in 1917. He was the other prime suspect in the murders. Uh, he was a traveling preacher. They settled in Macedonia, Iowa, in 1912. Um, he that was after the fact that he was the traveling preacher. Um, for a few years out through the Midwest. Uh, he was arrested and charged with only one of the victims. I wonder how it would be with only just one. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm assuming it was, well, see, that's what is so messed up. Like, okay, you got eight dead bodies there. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to find that, okay, maybe he liked little kids. Okay. And I think it goes back to the little girl that was left not like the rest exposed. of them. Exposed. Exposed, yes. Uh, okay, but what happened to the rest of them? Was he not there alone and, like, he tells somebody else that... You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Or maybe they, they just, would only try to charge him for one. Maybe they just figured one would be enough. I, I don't know. That, that one gets me. I, 
I don't really think there's a what if with that one to me. Uh, I could be completely off base. I, but he was invited to attend the Children's Day at the Presbyterian <laughs> Church that day. Uh, so he was there. Uh, he was present in Villisca on the night of the murders. Uh, now, he did depart in the early morning hours of June 10th, which that's what made him prime suspect. But how are you going to make, okay, I understand it. Let's get him back in. Question him, what have you. Now, but to be like only one of them, you got eight bodies. Yes, that's weird. Well, I mean, if you're going to charge with white, you might as well charge him with all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you, you didn't go down at that point. Um, he supposedly confessed. Um, like I said, he made a mockery of the police station at that time, and that happened. He withdrew before the trial began. Uh, the first trial resulted in a hung jury. He was finally acquitted in, by the second trial, which would make sense just because... I don't know. It's so crazy. But he ended up moving around uh, Kansas or Kansas City to Connecticut and then New York City. Uh, where he is, where his body is, where his final, where he passed away, nobody knows. So they say. So maybe he changed his name because he was linked with that because that was a big deal back then. Yeah. You know, you don't want your name linked to any of that. Now, Henry Moore, we'll go back to him. Like I said, uh, that federal officer that claimed to have solved 23 of these murders, he said, okay, yep, it's Henry Moore that's done all this. He's a serial killer. He wanted to bring out a serial killer because there was, there was a lot of links. There's no doubt in my mind that it could have been all linked together or maybe a series of people that knew each other. Maybe. Because travel at that time wasn't very fast. It wasn't like you just hop on a plane like we can now. Yeah. You know, it was horse buggy. It was train. You know, it, it, that's how it was, or jumping on a horse. You just weren't going to travel all these times. You know, mm-hmm. it was going to take days and days to do. Uh, <clears throat> so, Henry Moore, uh, he was locked up for a very, very long time for these murders. Uh, McClary, that was his theory of it, and it essentially does make sense. Oh, it, it does make the most sense. Because he his family was done the same way. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the one that makes the most sense. Could any of these be possible? Yeah. Because anything's possible. I just, I don't know. It just really sucks at the time of the murders and when they were found and the bodies were found that so many people just walk through and, you know, some people, some of the people were able to take pictures. I don't know if it was a pharmacist but back then, you know, they had, like, the huge big old things. Uh, but that was probably the only safe, uh, I don't want to say evidence, but crime scene stuff that they could conserve. Mm-hmm. was because they took a picture of before people started coming through. How are you going to go in and start moving around and take somebody's skull? That is kind of weird. Like, yeah. I know people were messed up back then. And we only say that because they weren't educated on stuff. Uh, and that's fine. But, no. Like, the sheriff of the town should have been, like, right there and been like, no, nobody touched anything. Nobody's allowed in here. Why would you want anybody to see that? Yeah. That's, that's kind of gross. Kind of really gross. Like yeah. The children and then going up and seeing the parents. And then, see, you know, there's so much more to this that I did not hit because of the wine. <laughs> It kind of took a different turn than what I wanted, but 
to be able to go see that location i really really want to because i want to see if those marshes still in the ceiling i, I want to see i want to see if you get anything from the house mm-hmm. uh especially from the sisters uh, you never know i maybe they have had a meeting going there to try to figure out who to get some kind of answers i know that they do do that especially nowadays now that it's more open and talked yeah. about uh, not necessarily saying that that would hold up in court, but it gives them a direction yeah. to look. I mean, why not? It still comes down to one of those what-if things, you and your bird on your head, I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's comfortable. Yes, he is. My mom just messed me. Sarah, are you putting Ethan in a tuxedo? Can't believe she just called me Sarah. funny. Yeah, burn on your head, your mouth is wide open. (laughs) That's funny. Sorry. It's going to be a lot of fun editing. (laughs) So, with all that being said, God, I feel like this is such a horrible episode. Oh, man, I covered the basics, right? Yeah. Serial killer. There is so much that if we ever started another podcast, because people have three or four that they do. Mm-hmm. This will be one that we can cover. Uh, Cause there is so much in depth in so many different directions. You have to find the correct way to go the direction of them. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Because you can get lost just like I did with <laughs> rattling off these names. Uh, yeah. Sorry. See, there's all these other ones, these confessions. Look at a Detroit prisoner. <laughs> like I couldn't last night. I I couldn't get all this in like in my brain to stick. Uh So let's jump to an hour days. With the house. Uh, in 94, Darwin and Martha of Cumming, Iowa, purchased the home. Uh, that's who have returned it to its original state. And now allow it to be where you can go to tours. You can go to daytime tours or you can rent it out overnight, like I said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like 400 something hundred dollars which isn't bad, considering mm-hmm. some other places and what you may experience here. Now, I... The, there have been psychics. There's been films. There's been books on the house. Mm-hmm. I would love to get my hands on those. Some of the psychics that have been brought in claim they have identified the murderer. Uh, and history buffs continue to collect documents and other history. But again, that's got to become repetitive because you only have so much back then. Oh, yeah. You know. Okay, well, if these psychics have came up with a murderer's name, I haven't heard these. I want to hear them, even if it's just speculation. I want to know what they are. So then you start digging in. Okay. You can still probably find out, you know, about where they were living, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe link it up to all the murders. Yeah. I, there's just so many what ifs. Um, sorry. I'm reading as we go. I cannot believe I'm doing this. There has been people that have admitted to that. 
Mm -hmm. Again, they're taking it back type of thing. And I think ultimately those people want the fame. The fame, the attention. Yeah. Uh, How sad. That's weird. It's Joseph and Sarah Stillinger, isn't it? Sarah and... And Josiah well, Moore. Well, Sarah and jo- Josiah Moore, yeah. Well, then it's Sarah and Joseph Stillinger, the mother. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. It is. I just linked that. Uh, yeah, so, okay, with all my crap being said, <laughs> that's all a hot mess. And I do apologize for that. I'll try to make up some timeline or something or we'll come back and hit this. Mm-hmm. In deeper debt, as far as on the true crime side goes, I'm really anxious to hear about the paranormal stuff. And that's where Mel and Mary will come in and save the day <laughs> uh, with the investigations. Like I said, it's open for investigations now. You can stay there. There's been some pretty intense investigators that have went there that have not left the location alive. Yeah. Uh, investigators that have evidence, uh, some that get caught short because of crazy shit that happens during the investigation. So go ahead and take over, Mama. <laughs> well, <laughs> after you. um, after the murder, the house was lived in for years, but like whoever, you know, purchased the home, they would never stay there very long. So I think that's why it laid empty for so long until they bought that house in 1994. And, you know, it could be the reason why instead of living in there, they just decided to you know, redo it and make it a historic place. Yeah. Uh, there's like, they, they say that the, the phenomena that you've experienced there, there hasn't been anything that you wouldn't have experienced there. Disembodied footsteps, things moving, voices, apparitions, shadows, bad vibes. Like there's not nothing that people have not experienced staying there. Um, it's kind of fascinating when you think about it. I, they they do have the tours daily and they have the ones at night. And um, I researched a lady who had talked about how they, she went there with her paranormal group, but she also went there on her own too to do the, to do an investigation because she likes a good murder story. Well, yeah, and who doesn't? The, the house but- itself was fascinating because it's set up just like it would have been with the doll sitting on the bed and, and all over. I and um, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that that's great that they bought the house. It is. Knew the history of it, and they restored it back to it. That—that uh, that was just just awesome of it's, those people to. It's do. a way of and recognizing what happened there and kind of honoring it. Well, yeah, because that's the Abs murders. That's what put Velisca on the map for anywhere. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like any other Iowa town. I lived in Story City. Probably three people know where Story City, Iowa, is, or Roland, Iowa. Or they're, they're well, yeah, they're towns, just, you know, little places. That murder put that on on the map. That's why people have talked about it. That's why it's been on some of these uh, paranormal shows and whatnot. That's why it's known is because of this and for people to accept that challenge mm-hmm. and take it on. Okay, you know what? Let's see what we can... I'm not saying they did it to get rich by any means. But they're preserving the so, history. Preserving the history and seeing if you can find the answers. Yeah. So that's like the greatest respect of all is finding the oh. answers, finding out what happened. And, um, well, like one of the most fascinating things they have is they have a board that um, when you walk out towards the barn, that's like filled with photos. 
in the realization that it's photos of paranormal experiences there from like, you know, pictures of a man getting scratched on his back and lots of night pictures with orbs and things like that. Everybody just, they, that they go there, they leave a piece of, piece of themselves there. Yeah. You know, kind of adds to, um, to the history. And it, it makes you think, you know, what exactly is there? You know, for me, like making my own theory, I kind of feel like um, it's a tycoon thing and I feel like it's a money thing. And maybe just maybe all those murders that were around the one guy who was a serial killer was hired by the senator to take people out that were a threat in different states, too. Because if you're building a business and if you're building a business that has the ability to lose a company like John Deere, you are already big. You have the connections even through the government. So Not even, it's business and government. You have more was. connections than just so kind of where your local town. So what if he utilized the serial killer and sent him to places right. all around to take out the people that were in his way? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the first thing before, because I purposely didn't study the crime part at all. Right. And that's the first thing that came was that it was a money thing. It was a money thing. Oh, yeah. It's all political and money. I've that's my theory. Like that nowadays. <laughs> it, it's, but that that's where your mind, and, and like I said, my gut goes to. Yeah, I hear these other stories or whatever, but maybe he didn't do it alone. Maybe there was more than one at the time. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, maybe. He, he did use Josiah's own axe. Maybe he drugged him. Maybe, you know, he let himself be found and it's a church day. They took him inside and fed him and he put maybe something in their with. drinks. And maybe the little girl who woke up, she didn't like that drinks and she didn't drink it. Right. And that's why everybody slept through it. I know there's so many what ifs. It's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He, that speculation that's out there. You know, the, the house is furnished with, you know, a creepy mix of period antiques, modern kid toys, um, it gives you, you know, that unsettling energy when you're walking through it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of, I guess, would add to the appeal when you're going and doing an investigation, adding to that energy. And it could be one of the things that hold all that energy is um, awakening that house back up by recreating it. Yeah. Yeah. It would kind that of, would essentially, to me, be the best way to do it for these people. Like if they wanted to restore the history of it, like you said set it back to like it's 1912 those spirits you may have put them back at comfort per se maybe not comfort but but in a familiar situation where they're like oh familiar territory type thing yeah because if it's the if it's the more children that are there then that's their house you you set Mm -hmm. that back to yeah well they say like one of the, the creepiest paranormal spots up there is um the attic space and you know it's alleged that that's where the murderer hung out while he waited for the family to fall asleep it, you know you go up there and um a lot of people describe it as oppressively hot but you also get a very inner you know dark energetic feeling oppressive it's hot but it's uh, it's oppressive like a big weight sitting on you when mm. people go up there that's that's the biggest um like report of that area they okay. even have um i found research where the paranormal group put in there and they literally have a video i do believe it's up in the attic of um their videotaping a chair and they catch it at the right moment where they actually see the image of a leg come down and put their you know 
like it's sitting there and, and puts the yeah yep so they have um there's lack what's i think fascinating about this house is there's also lots of documentation they have lots of paranormal proof it's not just they've gone in there and investigated and they have a speculation they have pictures of paranormal proof and that's what yes. draws people to this house so much is you know it's they have they have the documentation where people want to get their own and then they just keep on adding to it right right because yeah, the, the each, uh, uh, not event, each, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, occurrence? And, uh, well, each experience is going to be different because they're going to try to reach out. These spirits are going to try to reach out to people. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it wrong differently. Okay, let's say oh, yeah, they, you they, and I went there. It, it's They're a different kind of energy. Out to you. Yeah. But they know how they can get you or, or to get your attention. Now, to somebody else, to get somebody else's attention, they're going to have to do something different. Throw a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that's one thing that I, in my research. You know, and that does kind of make sense because I don't have a lot of weird stuff that happens to me like books throwing or going off the shelves but also i can sense spirit and right i connect with it that way where they don't that make that's a good point do they that. don't have to do that to get my attention where they would with other people and that would take a lot of their energy to do they have to muster yes. up that energy and take that from something whether they it be do equipment or yourself you know and do that well they have tour guides there too and um they talk about all the different things that they experience mm-hmm. where they're just sitting there and then, you know, something flies off or something goes across yeah. the room and there's no, there's no, you know, reason for it other than the supernatural. Yeah. And then, you know, we, the one paranormal investigator that ended up stabbing himself because he was staying in a bedroom alone. Fucked up, right? Yeah. Yes, it yeah, is. I, I remember that story and I remember hearing about that. Like I said, back when I heard about it, I didn't, Put the two and two together that, okay, yep, it's the Velisca house. Yep, this guy went there. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm interested in these. Like, it took me until now to link those together, which is a very clearly, not clearly, but my opinion, he had some other issues going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a dark entity there. It could be. It could be connected to him. the land, yeah. Uh, do those things. Uh, it's very sad. It was a very wow, and to still have that open after that. Well, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the the tour guides. They talk about how you you hear things moving around and you hear the footsteps upstairs, but um, they have a lot of experiences when they're on the second level. And like one of the things she did with um the paranormal group, this was a tour guide. She pointed to a toy car that was sitting on one of the old stoves. And she said earlier it had been lying on the other side of the stove upside down. Nobody moved it, but she she likes to do little tests like that with the toys and put them in certain, you know, positions to see what's going to naturally occur when you're not in the room. Um, and they do do those tours. That's kind of interesting because the tours are only, what, what $10? So that's not really bad. For a price. Um, no, um, the overnight price, really, where you can do your own investigation, I think, is not a bad price either from pricing out other 
locations that you can do. Again, this is another location that's on the Historic Society. That's why they charge so much. They have you have to take into consideration maintaining that house. Oh yeah. Maintaining houses not like we do that every day. Like and it's costly. So I know a lot of investigators or groups complain about the prices, or not even investigators and groups, because we understand everyday average Joe, what do you mean you gotta pay? It it's more or less to keep it going so mm-hmm. people can get in there, so we can get in there and, and keep it updated. Because if they were to just let that house go, it wouldn't be there no more and be condemned. Well, they had like reports where um, you know, they hear you know, children playing and they hear other voices and they get tons of pictures. And what I really, what I really like is, um, Martha Lynn, you know, the owner, she has notebooks, just notebooks upon notebooks for at least like the last two years where they had people come in and write down their experiences in those notebooks and the other people get to read them too. So that's fascinating too. It's kind of like, we should have, sorry, I cut you off. A goal we should have for the podcast is to be able to interview them. That would be cool. The owners, you know, let them know sometimes yeah. they're able to go out, even if it's for a quick weekend trip. I've taken many quick weekend trips out to Iowa. Not that it's real exciting, but my daughter was there, so I had a reason to go there. But we could easily do that in a weekend or whatever, but let them know, you know, hey, we have this podcast. We'd love to interview you and maybe record yeah. before doing a night investigation there, you know, with them. I think that would be awesome well the the investigator that has stabbed himself his name was robert stephen larson jr he's 37 Mm. of rylander wisconsin and um he just arrived with like a group of friends they were doing like just a recreational yeah paranormal investigation nothing like you know major and so he was in the house alone and um Never be alone. He called for help on the mobile two-ray radios. And then his companions found him stabbed in the chest and apparently self-inflicted wound. He was, um, I think he, for my research, I think he survived it, though. Um, I have to go farther down. He was brought to the hospital and then he was helicoptered to, um, Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha. Um... They said it happened around 12.45 a.m., approximate to the time of that in 1912. So it is kind of like, kind of maybe connects to like that dark entity type thing where, you know, something takes over. Yeah. But, um. Wow. I have to go farther down, but I do believe that I read that he, um, he did survive. I know I, when I was going down through here, so... Let me see if I can find it. What was his name? Um, last name was Larson. Robert Stephen Larson, Jr. The town has drawn a lot of attention since the Larson episode. However, the both Samson and Linda caretakers say they've never been undated with media inquires. Maybe I'm wrong. Service. Oh, see, yep. Lena and Samson say that Larson has recovered from his injuries, but Larson will not comment any further. So he did. He recovered from it, but they don't talk about it. But it happened. 
What the hell? I know. Robert? Interesting. We need to know. Yeah. So, um, a lot of tours there, they've been cut short by because, you mm-hmm. know, people freak out when they hear children's voices and lamps falling and moving ladders and flying objects. Um, so there's a lot of people that they get halfway through and they're like, forget this. We're not doing it. It's too much. Yeah. It, it would be a lot. I, it would again, be. If you're going there, you plan on, do not go into anywhere alone. You know, well, go, go there with a group. Yeah. Clearly, because no one's going to probably go there by themselves. But if you're going into a separate room to leave your group, take somebody with you. He had a two-way radio. Like... Well, yeah, he was in there alone, which, it, you know, obviously he just shouldn't be. Right. Because it's safe. Put your safety first with any type of investigating, not just not this location, but any type of investigating. Do not go alone. Don't even walk down the street alone. <laughs> we live in a scary world. Just don't do it. <laughs> just safety. They, but um, they did get the, the crew that went in there... Um, May 30th of 2014, they've got like six, 16 different EVPs and they've got tons of different videos of documentation. And what I really liked about how they did um, their EVPs was they timed them all out. So I kind of like that where um, they obviously use a digital camera. Let's see. And they, they made sure that, you know, no children were present during the recording. So anything that they did get, if they got kids that came through. But it shows like um, like 23 seconds into it, they heard someone say mom. About a minute into it, they heard someone whistling. These are, they got several, several different things. About one minute and 54 minutes into it, um, they heard, they got mumbling, but then they got my mom and dad. And then... Two minutes and 13 seconds into it, they heard mommy. And then two minutes and 29 seconds, there's some mumbling, and then they heard did it. And then two minutes and 38 seconds, they got growling. Then two minutes and 55 seconds, whistling. And then three minutes and 17 seconds, and uh-huh. And then at three minutes and 24 seconds, you know, I'm unknown, like, like rumbling type thing. More growling after that. About four minutes in, there was more just kind of mumbling. At four minutes and 14 seconds, they heard like deep exhaling. And uh, like at five minutes and 13 seconds, they hear um, tell the killer that. And then more, you know, an audible stuff. They heard deep exhale exhales again. And then about six minutes and 22 seconds into it, they heard like short screams. And then six minutes and 24 seconds, uh, they heard tell them. And a lot of it was kids that were coming through. See, yeah. See, if I went back and, well, thinking, I, I would say, to me, I don't even know how I want to put this, but but the kids being left maybe earthbound mm-hmm. because they were confused. Uh Clearly, the parents were two, but they were grown. Uh, I don't know how to put it into words, but I, I know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and They're kind of stuck there. Yeah. And, and they want to tell. And it, it's probably the one 
girl that was awake. Well, too, if you think about it, too, this is like a, a highly hot paranormal spot. So how many people yes. have come in there to do investigations? How many are spiritual, but how many go to the darker side and came in to do some kind of ritualistic or satanic thing and they conjured more spirits? So now you just have tons of spirits there. That's you know, true. Tons of energy that's just there. That shouldn't be. Yeah. Like if those and if, kids are there, that was their house. That's, and if it's already an energy vortex in general, me. you're just, you're, there's tons of spirit coming ne- through. Okay, let's say, you know, clearly those kids weren't negative beforehand, but afterwards, because of the way they were taken out, do you believe that would turn that negative? Um, I think it could create an angry energy, a confusion, not knowing where you are, or so just that's knowing that, think. you know, you're stuck there and there's nothing you can do. Why hasn't somebody that knows how to cross them over help them? See, that, that's what I don't understand. I don't know. So why wouldn't you want to go there and help them? Yeah, I know people want evidence, but ultimately, I don't want to say a true investigator, but one, because we all got different reasons as to why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But all the, the amount of people that went in there, why hasn't somebody helped them? I don't know. Like, are, are they told not to? Because then if you take away that those occurrences, then there goes... There's no reason to go there. Right. Yeah. Besides the history of it. It could be, you know. But it's fascinating. I like the fact that they do these investigations and everybody collects the data and they keep it. So you can go in there and you can connect with the other experiences and yeah. see what other people have experienced. Which That's cool. Great. We need to go. Like, That'd be fun. I know we need to go to the East Coast. I know we need to go into the West. I know we just need to go everywhere. Yeah. But I, the Velisca House is for sure, I know on my list, for sure. We we need to, like I said, it could be a quick weekend thing because we really just need one overnight mm-hmm. over there. And Dad's driven straight through and back home to Iowa in a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can do it. I'm just saying. He, yeah, he totally good for, for us to have our experience. And for maybe for us to reach out to the owners of the house, I would love to speak to them. If they don't want to do, like, an interview on here, but at least let us ask them some questions or something would be wonderful. About their experiences and things like that. Yeah. You know, to see if if they stay the night there. Mm -hmm. You know, to maybe try to back up some of their, her notebooks, the stories that she's got in her notebooks from people and stuff like that, like. I don't, why don't they have cameras in there? I'd be having cameras in there 24-7. Yeah, to see what you can kind of get. Yeah. You know, That's what I was it. thinking. If I, they have toys moving, wouldn't well, you want to yeah, be well, Why wouldn't you have the DVR system set up everywhere? You don't have to be there. You can be at your house, link it up, just get some Wi-Fi in that bitch, and link it up, and you can watch it even on your phone. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd be doing. I'd probably be obsessed. That's probably why. But, <laughs> I mean... But, but to right. be able to verify some of these stories and to, and why hasn't this made, well, I guess kind of all Axe Murder horror movies are kind of based on it, but why there wasn't a movie made on it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe because they don't have the answers. I, I mean, maybe there's a documentary on it, but like, you know, how they've done like The Shining and the yeah. other movies and just made a, you know. A basic one, even to make it a, a true crime movie, even. I don't know. So many, so many questions. I need to find my other paper here. 
<laughs> oh, mom. So many papers I didn't even use. No, I think it's the guy dumping the dirt. Oh. Oh, shit, it is. We're quiet. <laughs> We're recording. Okay, so with all that being said, again, I apologize for being all over the place. Uh, <laughs> we are going to certainly try to put this on our list to visit within the next year. Uh, just... Just a very fascinating case. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, the case itself with the murders, because it is unsolved. The paranormal experiences people tell us about uh, that we get to read and research on is amazing. So if you are listening and you have been to the Velisca Axe Murder House and have stories, even if you don't, you just visit it, mm -hmm. email us. We want to hear for sure. Uh because we will totally document everything when, yeah. when we get our chance to go out there. Uh, it's just going to be wonderful. Uh, again, very tragic story. And I'm sorry if I if I murdered the story myself by going all over the place. There's just so much. Mm -hmm. So, so much. Uh, again, keep listening. <laughs> I hope we don't lose you. Please. <laughs> please, yes, please. Because we highly enjoy doing this. Even if we just have one consistent listener i'm down with that yeah that's sweet to me and this month in september has been crazy hectic mm -hmm. with the wedding of course i'm going to talk about it because it's mine yeah but i'm having it at mama mary's house so that's even more exciting so we have been super busy and we have been quiet on the facebook um but in october we are going to come back like super strong we got some awesome episodes yeah up. we got some road trips clearly that mm -hmm. we're going to be taking because um, a lot of our schedule will be open now, since no more wedding crap. Yeah. Ready for? Bleh. Who's got to get married? What a bunch of crap! I'm just kidding. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, don't yuck someone else's yuck. Ever. Um, write us in your stories, even if it's not on the Melissa Axe Murder House. Your stories, your concerns, your problems. Well, we want to hear them. <laughs> not all your problems. But if you just want to tell us some stuff, that's cool. Uh, ParanormalXL at writeme.com, all lowercase. Look us up on Facebook, ParanormalXL at the Facebook. Um, if you want to support the podcast in any shape, way, or form, visit our Patreon page. That's always a link in the show notes and on the Facebook. Um, if you don't know what a Patreon is, click on the link. It'll take you to it. It'll show you different levels. Uh, it's essentially donations to help us out. There's all different levels, starting from a dollar. Uh, yeah, so we will talk to you next week. Well, probably two weeks, because we're probably going to put this in a two-parter. So this will be the last one that you'll hear at the end. We love you! <laughs> <laughs> Are you laughing at me? Yes.
Thank you.